This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Rams Up, an L.A. Rams podcast, with a sprinkling of coverage on other SoCal sports teams, college and pro. You can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com or visit our website at ramsup.com. Let's get to it. Hello, everybody. Second week of April, less than three weeks from the NFL draft. Starting to sense some excitement about that, and we will have our second mock draft at the end of this episode. First, let's get some news out of the way. There's actually not a whole lot going on. A few items we'll take a second to mention. Coleman Shelton, the reserve offensive lineman, has re-signed with the Rams. Interestingly, that means we will once again have three University of Washington alumni on the Rams, That's second to only one other university as far as representation on the roster. Georgia, University of Georgia, still has four, including Leonard Floyd, Matthew Stafford, and the two undrafted free agent cornerbacks, McGee and Reed. McGee, of course, is the one facing a five-game suspension. The Rams met with wide receiver Jacob Harris out of the University of Central Florida, 6'5", 219, and blazing speed. From what I have seen on various mock draft databases, Harris will likely go undrafted. Be interesting to see if the Rams love him enough to grab him in the seventh round or just hope to sign him after the draft, but the Rams obviously are interested. We also read that the one-helmet rule is being potentially reviewed by the NFL. This is a rule that basically limits how many uniforms a team can use, practically speaking. Be interesting to see if they allow a second helmet, a second helmet design, that would open up a plethora of uniform combination possibilities for some teams, including the Rams. I suspect that if that rule is rescinded, It won't happen in time to have an impact on this season, but maybe 2022 we'll see a second set of helmets for the Rams and uniforms to match. A quick update on the salary cap. The last time we talked about this, there were some discrepancies between the three reporting agencies, referring to Sport Track, 
over the cap and the Players Association. Now Sport Track and over the cap seem to be pretty much in line, right around eight million. The Rams have eight million in cap space, give or take a million. So that's where they stand now, and both of those numbers include the signing of Deshaun Jackson. Real quick baseball note that I thought was worth mentioning, Joe Musgrove of the Padres threw that team's first no-hitter. What's really interesting about it, though, is that the last no-hitter thrown in Major League Baseball and this no-hitter, same catcher, two different teams, though, and that's the first time that has happened where two consecutive no-hitters within the league were caught by the same catcher, but two different teams. Pretty interesting. So what do we have for you this week? We're going to have our cornerback analysis for the Rams. We're going to have our weekly pet peeve. We're going to have our four questions. And at the end of this episode, our second mock draft. It should be interesting. Let's do another positional analysis this week, cornerbacks. That'll leave just safeties and special teams, and we'll get both of those done before the draft. Let's look at what the Rams have right now at the cornerback position. There are two starters, Darius Williams and Jalen Ramsey, at this point, I would argue might be one of the best tandems in the NFL. Williams has proven himself to be a high-end cover guy, Several times last year, he just had spectacular pass breakups. And he's still improving, I think. Jalen Ramsey, is there a more complete cornerback in the game? He can shut down DeAndre Hopkins and DK Metcalf. He can also knock a blocker and Golden Tate, the ball carrier, out with one fell swoop. Vicious tackler, shut down corner, the entire package. Uh, Next up is David Long. Uh, He saw some action last year, got on the field quite a bit actually, made some plays. I suspect the Rams are counting on him to play an even larger role with Troy Hill gone. I think we could pencil him in as the starter in the slot. Then they have Dante Dion, the former undrafted free agent. He was signed to a reserves future contract in January, so clearly the Rams have plans for him as well. He's played in 11 games across his career, eight with the Giants and three with the Rams. And Terrell Burgess, uh, listed as a safety, but I think he can slide up and play a little bit in the slot if needed, but I don't think we should think of him as a cornerback. They have two former undrafted free agents out of Georgia. J.R. Reed saw a little bit of action, got into two games, and Tyreek McGee. The problem with McGee is he had his second PED infraction, and he is suspended for the first five games of the season. Not a big boost for his career, that's for sure. So when you look at this entire package, you get Williams and Ramsey, check, check, solid as they come. And David Long, he's solid. Looks like he has a future in front of him. And Dante Dion, I think we've seen enough of him in preseason games and limited action that he could be a player as well. But after that, we're really, really thin. And that's why as the NFL draft gets closer, I'm starting to think more and more that the Rams will not only select a cornerback, 
they may select two. If they only select one, they're going to bring in a bunch of undrafted free agent cornerbacks to compete for roster spots. We obviously don't have the time to review all of these cornerback prospects in the draft, so I wanted to talk about the ones the Rams have talked to. I'm not going to talk about Caleb Farley and Patrick Sertain either. Those are the top two rated cornerbacks, and they'll both go in the first round. And there's two guys that could go late first, early second that the Rams have talked to, Asante Samuel out of Florida State and J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. Interestingly, both of these are sons of former prolific NFL players, Asante Samuel Jr., the son of Asante Samuel, the cornerback, and J.C. Horn, the son of the wide receiver, Joe Horn. Both of these guys look to be solid cornerback prospects. I think the Rams would be happy to have either one of them, but there's two questions here. One, do they last to that number 57 pick? And two, do the Rams want to use that number 57 pick on a cornerback? And I'm thinking they very well might. Although there are some good prospects that they can get later. We'll get to those in a minute. Samuel and Horn, both great cover guys. Uh, the only concern between the two of them is Horn's tackling. There's some issues there that scouts have noted. Two other guys they have talked to both came from Rancho Cucamonga High School. Thomas Graham, who moved on to Oregon, and Darren Hall, who moved on to San Diego State. Thomas Graham was a top 50 prospect coming out of high school, had a solid three years at Oregon, and then sat out last year. He has good instincts, good in the run game, very competitive guy. He will probably go in the third or fourth round. The Rams could have several opportunities to take him with those two third-round picks and a fourth-round pick. And again, this is a guy they have talked to as well. They've also met with Hall. Uh, He's a guy that could also potentially play safety. He doesn't have great top-end speed, but he has great size and a real knack for breaking up passes. He's a guy that could potentially be there in the sixth round. The other guy they've met with, Tay Gowan. 6'2", 185. He's another guy that could potentially play safety. I think he's pegged for the seventh round or potentially undrafted. So he's one of those guys that maybe the Rams will bring in after the draft. So that's a summary of the Rams' cornerback situation. Very talented, but also very thin. I will be very surprised if the Rams don't have two rookie cornerbacks on their roster in 2021. Another possibility, of course, is that they bring on Richard Sherman and add one rookie cornerback draft pick to the roster. I'm not sure if that is realistically going to happen, but it's still a possibility. Time for our four questions. And I have been asked recently, why four questions? Why do we do four questions? It's really quite simple. In my mind, these have always been our fearsome four questions. So from now on, I will just call them that, our fearsome four questions. This week, question number one. Who has positioned themselves to win the NFC East? 
Not a big fan of where the Eagles are right now. I'm not expecting the Cowboys to make the necessary moves in the draft to get them back on the right track. The Redskins, their defense is excellent. I love Ron Rivera as a coach. But I'm going with the New York Giants. I love Joe Judge as a coach as well. I think his team, I think his team comes to fight for him every day, every play. They've made some excellent additions, including Kenny Galladay, Adoree Jackson, and Leonard Williams. And I know Daniel Jones is a big question in some people's minds. I've seen him play a little bit. He's still a young quarterback. If I have stock in Daniel Jones right now, I'm going to hold on to it for another year or two. I'm not selling quite yet. I'd understand if you're not buying, but I want to see what he's got. I think if you you surround him with the right staff and the right players, he could be just fine and certainly good enough to win that division. Question number two. The Rams have had many great wide receivers over the course of their franchise history. How do Cooper Cup and Robert Woods right now stack up against those great Ram wide receivers? Let's define what I would call the Rams' ring of fame at the wide receiver position, and it's a pretty impressive group. Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Henry Allard, all shoe-ins, Elroy Hirsch, Jack Snow, Tom Fears, all shoe-ins as well. The last one that gets in is Flipper Anderson, in my mind. Leads out some running backs, including Marshall Falk, that put up some great numbers in the passing attack, and Harold Jackson, who spent some time with the Eagles. So let's leave it at those seven. So how does Cooper Cup and Robert Woods stack up against those seven right now? Well, Robert Woods, 28 years old, 3,500 yards. Cooper Cup, 27 years old, 3,100 yards. I would expect both of them to move into the top four, five, or six with any amount of luck. They just continue their production over the next three or four years. But I don't think they have any shot at cracking those top three. Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, and Henry Ellard. Henry Ellard is third with almost 9,800 yards. So I think he's out of reach. But but in my opinion, if they stick around three or four years, get up in that 6,000 yardage area, and maybe win a Super Bowl, I'll embrace them as members of the Los Angeles Rams wide receiver ring of fame. First from question three, what player or coach not associated with the Rams should be in the Hall of Fame, but is not? I've been thinking about this for quite some time, actually. I don't understand why Don Coriel is not in the Hall of Fame. He's basically the father of the modern passing attack in the NFL, and he can take a lot of credit for making the game as exciting as it is. While he's never been associated with a Super Bowl winner, he has many protégés that have. Many that followed behind him and modeled their offenses after him have had great success and have reached the Super Bowl. I'm including Mike Martz, Joe Gibbs, and some of these guys will tell you themselves that Coriel belongs in the Hall of Fame. Air Coriel offense was one of the most innovative things in the history of the NFL and helped shape the modern NFL. Don Coriel 
belongs in the Hall of Fame. Fearsome question four. What is my favorite football movie? Now, before I answer the question, you note it's my favorite. I'm not arguing that it is the best. I'll give you my favorite line from my favorite football movie. Pain heals, chicks dig scars, glory lasts forever. Shane Falco, The Replacements, final answer. Time for another weekly sports pet peeve. This is one that has bothered me forever. In a nutshell, when we ask which player is greater or which player belongs in the Hall of Fame, for example, can we stop asking who's got the most rings? It is such an unanalytical and oversimplified way of answering the question. I'll get into the football aspects of this, but the most obvious one is the never-ending argument over who was greater, Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Everyone simply goes to the fact that Jordan has six rings, 6-0 six and oh in NBA championship series, whereas LeBron only has four. LeBron has four rings. He's lost six times in the NBA championship. He's won four titles with three different teams, with an array of supporting casts, some of them not very good, 10 championship appearances, four championships. But some people will tell you, hey, point to Jordan's rings. That's all we need to know. I'm not saying LeBron's a better player, but if that's how you're answering the question, you maybe shouldn't be taking this test at all. On the football side of it, Is Joe Flacco better than Dan Marino? Was Trent Dilfer a greater quarterback than Dan Marino as well? No, we all know the answer to that. We have to look at each player's situation, look at their skill set, and find more inquisitive ways of investigating this and providing a sensible, educated answer. Another way of looking at it, let's take the curious case of Steven Jackson. Very few fans, or even experts, will tell you that Steven Jackson belongs in the Hall of Fame. No rings. No playoff appearances with the Rams. In Steven Jackson's nine season with the Rams, the first season he rushed for, I believe it was 600 yards. And each of the following eight seasons, he rushed for over 1,000 yards. He finished his Ram career with 56 touchdowns, and not a single playoff appearance. Very few experts are going to say Stephen Jackson belongs in the Hall of Fame, or Stephen Jackson is greater than Clinton Portis, or Thurman Thomas, or a bunch of other running backs who he very well might be better than, simply because of the fact he played on a very poor team, and, I should mention, behind a very average offensive line but he, gets, he simply gets no recognition. It's because of the situation he was in. We have to be able to step back and say, hey, is Stephen Jackson worthy of this recognition? 
Part of the problem might be because we call it the Hall of Fame. Maybe it shouldn't be called the Hall of Fame, just like the MVP should not be called that. The MVP should be Player of the Year, and the Hall of Fame should be the Hall of Great Players. I was talking to an Atlanta Falcon fan, and this was after Stephen Jackson had been there a year. I suggested Jackson might be one of the great Ram running backs, and he was very confused. And I said, you may not be aware of this, but he's the all-time Rams leading rusher. But he's not famous, that's for sure, and he has no rings, that's a certainty. He's a great player, and he's deserving of the Hall of Fame. Just like Dan Marino is a better quarterback than Joe Flacco, and I am going to say it, LeBron James is greater than Michael Jordan. You are all dying to hear how our second mock draft went. Again, the ground rules. We look for where value meets need as far as the Rams go. We will also lean towards players that the Rams have interviewed. We use the Draft Network's mock draft interface. And we go with the six picks the Rams have. No trading, six picks only. Last week, a quick rehash... We started off with an inside linebacker, and then we went center, cornerback, wide receiver, edge, and cornerback. We'll be trying a different strategy every week, but it also depends on how the Draft Network's mock draft unfolds before us. So let's get to this week's results. So the first player that fell into our lap was the center, Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma, And so we went that route. We grabbed the center first. That's obviously an extreme need for the Rams. And in some quarters, Humphrey is the highest rated center. There's some debate over that. But we felt comfortable grabbing Humphrey with the 57th pick overall and plug him in at center. So we're getting great value. The second pick, I was hoping to still grab an inside linebacker or a cornerback or potentially a wide receiver. But Quincy Rocher, the edge rusher, was there. We just could not pass up on him at that spot. I don't think the Rams are necessarily desperate for an edge rusher. But it's always nice to add one, especially with the upside of someone like Rocher. So we went edge rusher. This is in the third round, the 88th pick overall. With the 103rd pick, also in the third round, we got our cornerback. And as I've mentioned previously, More than once, the Rams are extremely thin at cornerback. I think they're going to come away with one, possibly two, especially if they can maneuver around and add an extra couple of picks. But here we went cornerback, Elijah Griffin out of USC. So, okay, to recap quickly, we have a center, an edge rusher, and a cornerback, and we move into the fourth round. And with the 141st pick, I grabbed Darius Stills the interior defensive lineman out of West Virginia. This is a player the Rams have visited with. They virtually interviewed him very recently. Now with Morgan Fox and Michael Brockers gone, I don't necessarily think Stills is the guy to step in for Fox or Brockers. Stills is built much like Aaron Donald, so I see him as a defensive tackle, not necessarily filling the roles that Fox and Brockers did. 
But it's clear the Rams need some bodies on that defensive line. How they utilize them remains to be seen. So Stills is the pick in the fourth round to further fortify that defensive line one way or another. No pick in the fifth round, but we're very happy to see Demetrik Felton out of UCLA still available in the sixth round with the 209th pick. Felton was a running back at UCLA, really shined at the senior bowl practices. A lot of people see him as a wide receiver at the next level and potentially even a vertical threat. So he's just a great piece to add to your offensive arsenal, Demetrik Felton in the sixth round. In the seventh round, I was still looking for that inside linebacker or potentially a defensive end. Didn't see anyone that really jumped out at me. No one I liked as much as the cornerback Tay Gowan out of University of Central Florida. And one of the reasons I leaned towards Gowan is this is another guy the Rams have interviewed. Actually, Felton as well they had interviewed. So these last three selections, Stills, Felton, and Gowan, are all guys that have visited with the Rams. So we go with Gowan. There's some mixed reviews on him as far as his draft profile. He may not get drafted at all, but he certainly should be there in the seventh round. So he's my pick with the 252nd pick overall. So what do we do here? We came out with a center, an edge rusher, two cornerbacks, an interior defensive lineman, and that running back, wide receiver, ultimate weapon, Demetric Felton as well. Will the Rams really draft two cornerbacks with just six picks? Probably not likely, but what I what I think is much more likely to happen is they will maneuver, make some trades, end up with seven or eight picks, and then come away with the two cornerbacks. So that's our second mock draft for you. Again, Humphrey, Roche, Griffin, Stills, Felton, and Gowan. We'll do this again next week. And like I said, the results should be entirely different. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And please subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And remember, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.